The following podcast is a production of Mosaic in Whittier, California, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information about Mosaic gatherings and events, please visit mosaic.org. How would you define reality? What is reality? Especially since we're starting off this talk, it's probably good to know kind of what our terms are. So if you were to define reality, how would you define it? No curveballs. No curveballs. Are we talking a baseball reality? Ah, okay. So you've got life, you're trucking along, then something happens, you lose your job, you get in a car wreck, the guy dumps you, yada yada. Okay, so curveballs, right? Am I, is that a good explication of that analogy? Okay, wonderful. So curveballs. Uh, what else? How else would you define reality? Hard. Hard? Yes, reality is pretty hard. Uh, and I mean, especially in America, we have enough hard times, right? But I mean, you compare our reality to the realities of really the bulk of the rest of the world's uh, population. And and our reality is so much better than uh, a a Burmese refugees reality. Uh, And a few of us are going to get a chance to step into that reality in a couple of weeks going to Thailand. Um, And that'll be a, a rude awakening as well. Okay, so reality is hard. What else when you think about reality? It's what you make it. Awesome. Okay, so reality is something that you are, uh, at some level, you have some control, right? You, you are in control of something in, in your reality, maybe your responses to the hard things, the curveballs, whatever. Okay, sweet. That second question there, how would you define your perfect reality? So we've kind of got the grim reality, the reality that's just there, the one with curveballs, the things you can't control. But even as Mary was saying, there are some things you can, and then there are other times when you're just hoping your reality kind of lines up and the curveball balls go away and you, you know, things are trekking. So if you were to define your perfect reality, what would that look like? Heaven. Okay. You're getting ahead of me. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, what else? What uh, your earthly reality? What would be perfect? Okay, Christ being famous or popular, okay? So still having definitely a spiritual dimension there, which again, you're getting ahead of me. That's excellent. Um, Got a lot of forward thinkers here. Perfect reality. Peace of mind, mind, health, yeah, definitely. Okay. A fairy tale, tale, yeah, right? The the knight in shining armor, potentially with rippling biceps, and there's a beach, (laughs) and all-you-can-eat buffet. That's my perfect reality. All-you-can-eat. Okay. Okay. no pound gain. Yes. And perfect. Yes. And you lose it all as soon as you eat it. Okay, cool. All right. This is excellent. So we've got reality, right? which kind of seemed pretty grim. And then we have our perfect reality, which, uh, it seems kind of like a fairy tale. Um, those two things don't seem to come together, reality and perfection. Uh, cause I think the nature of reality as we experience it, uh, on this planet is it's always in flux. There's always change. There's always something that no matter how rippling that guy's biceps are and how sunny that beach is that you would be on that beach with the man with the rippling biceps or how great the buffet is, (laughs) eventually the clouds are going to come, gravity's going to take effect on those rippling biceps, (laughs) and the pounds are going to just start piling on after the endless buffet, right? I mean... Our perfect reality, as perfect as you could conceive of, if it's grounded only in this world, it is subject to collapse. 
And I think that's kind of really this, the point of all these talks is to, to really challenge us to think through, are we basing our meaning and our purpose on a reality that is constantly compromised, a reality that is constantly changing, that one thing can make it teeter to the left or to the right or just collapse altogether. And so um, I found a couple of quotes. Google is just awesome. And I just typed reality quotes. It's very involved. Um, I'm a research scientist. So I love this one. Reality bites and doesn't let go. <laughs> it's like, it's clever. I don't know who wrote that. It's unknown. Um, this one I really liked. Robin Williams, comedian, if you didn't know that, um, said, reality is a crutch for people who can't cope with drugs. <laughs> I was like, okay, awesome. I, yeah. And again, kind of hitting on, and I found this repeatedly uh, with people when I did this reality quotes thing, people just had a very dismal view of reality. It was a very sour, surly, dark, oppressive view of reality. And so uh, I want to challenge that reality because bottom line, this reality, if this is all there is, it is pretty hopeless. If, if our entire existence, even as perfect as you could imagine it, perfect everything, it's still susceptible to collapse. Uh, it is still, at the end of the day, uh, prone to meaninglessness. And so um, I wanted to share with you just a snippet of uh, my story. This is, I, I wouldn't tell it if it wasn't a group of women, um, because it, it is just kind of my, my personal perfection reality, or what I thought would be my perfect reality. And um, back in those wistful years of young love, and I was uh, 17, and there was this guy with rippling biceps, um, and that was about it. Uh, <laughs> and he and I were going to live this perfect life. We were going to get married. Uh, we were going to live in Georgia. I was born and raised. Yes, sweet tea. Arlene, thank you for bringing that, you and Patty. Um, we were going to just, uh, I was going to go to law school and take over my mom's uh, practice, and I was just going to uh, support him because all he wanted to do was tinker with cars. And I was totally content as a 17-year-old to, uh, you know, be in love with this rippling bicep guy. And, and I thought my reality was perfect because I'm looking ahead and I'm looking at the next few years for my undergraduate degree. And then I'm looking at law school and I'm like, okay, this jives. I'm totally cool with that. And there was something about that reality that, uh, that I think is what makes us cling to this reality, this very earthly existence. Um, and then I think it's this uh, word control. <laughs> um, and the funny thing is, I think that control is just an illusion. I think the control that, that we think we have and what I thought I had in that relationship with Billy, it was like, this is something just, it's tangible. I mean, he likes me, I like him. I think I love him, you know, I'm a 17 year old, what do I know? Um, <laughs> And, and we're just going to be happy for the rest of our lives. And it's just all going to work out. And I just, I had this plan and I had this agenda and, and it was, it was safe. I could look at my life and I could look ahead and I could say, okay, I know that, that I'm not going to get hurt this way because this is the plan. We'll just follow the plan. If we don't divert from the plan, this, this is going to work. And, you know, like I said earlier, this perfect reality it wasn't perfect. Um, he wasn't perfect. I 
wasn't perfect. This relationship was far <laughs> from perfect. And in my little world, when we finally broke up a year and a half later, um, and I'd already chosen my undergraduate school based on my relationship with him, and that just completely vanished, this relationship, um, I was like, wow, well, who am I? What's my future? And really, what's my present? What's my reality right now? Because everything that I thought was real is gone. And so if you had anything in your life where you, you had envisioned this perfect reality, this, this life where, yeah, this is going to work, this is going to happen, everything's kosher, and we're just trekking, and then somehow just the legs got cut out from under you. Like I said earlier, you lost that job, that guy dumped you, the, um, whatever it was that you were putting your hope in, it fell through, and you were devastated. <laughs> I want to offer an alternative and it's interesting because this series is called Alternate Reality. And I think it'd be very easy to, um, to assume that that means that what I want to talk about tonight is that this spiritual dimension of our existence is the alternate reality. But what I want to propose instead is that this <laughs> is actually the alternate reality. This existence, those relationships, the, the one that I had with Billy, this illusion of control... Uh, that everything was safe and predictable and, and unchangeable, that that is really the alternate reality. That is the shadow of something far greater. And that's what I want us to hone in on tonight. And I think hopefully it'll set the tone a little bit for um, these future talks as we talk through some of the major inversions uh, we see in, in scripture. But also in summary, I wanted to say, I think as we kind of talk through reality, I think it's what we can see, what we can taste, and what we can touch, and what we seemingly can control. I think that is the reality uh, that we were talking about at the very beginning of tonight. Grim, curveballs, unpredict it, it ends up being unpredictable, even though we think it's something safe and controllable. And what I want to propose is that there is an ultimate reality. There is an absolute reality. And it, you can, you can see it and taste it and touch it, it's in a very different way. And the biggest difference between the two realities is you let go of the illusion of control. I think that's the biggest distinction between the alternate reality and the ultimate reality. And so we're going to tease that out a little bit more tonight, especially looking into the scriptures that I think really explain a lot more about this ultimate, absolute reality. And the crazy thing is, too, we find that absolute reality actually in a person. It's in the person of Jesus Christ. And I don't want to jump the gun too far ahead there, but just know that's going to be the punchline by the end of this little talk. So, uh, and it's just kind of a crazy thing, which is a paradox in and of itself that reality could even be situated in a person. Uh, and so that's what we're going to hit on. Um, but before I get there, I, you heard of C.S. Lewis? Okay. Pretty cool guy. Lived a while ago, lit guy, if you like literature, English, uh, just sharp as a tack. And he had some really good statements, and I, I like this um, before we dig into the scriptures. He says, if I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. Let me say that again. If I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy. The only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. He's also uh, quoted as saying, you don't have a soul, you are a soul, you have a body. 
And I think that's a message that we see reiterated in the scriptures. And this does not mean that we're supposed to live these super spiritual lives and forget about the world around us and just be this cloistered existence and whatever, just, oh, I I don't want to be a part of anything that uses my body. I'm just a spiritual being. No, you're both. (laughs) You're a body and a spirit. But I think we find our ultimate meaning and purpose by listening to the spirit, not just to the body. And they inform each other, which is this beautiful system that I think works out. But I do want us to look at the scriptures and kind of see this play itself out um, uh, in a great story. So uh, Luke 10 tells a story um, about a couple of sisters, Mary and Martha. Maybe you've heard of them before. Uh, But they were good friends of Jesus. And Jesus at this point is a celebrity. And he's traveling around. I mean, multitudes of people are going and following this guy. Now, you think about it. They didn't have Hulu. (laughs) They didn't have cell phones. They didn't have video cameras. So, like, if you hear about someone who's coming who is, like, this big celebrity and he's been healing people and he's been doing all these, like, really weird things and totally making the Pharisees, who were, like, the religious leaders of the day, making them really ticked off, and you hear he's coming to your hometown, you definitely want to go there and be with him and see what he's doing. Well, he had these close friends, Mary and Martha, and their brother Lazarus. And Mary and Martha had this great relationship with Jesus. And to set this up a little bit, imagine you living in a very small town, which is kind of hard to imagine here in LA. But if you're like me and you grew up in Georgia, that's not hard to imagine a rural town where you have cows and pastures. Um, And so just think maybe about a more rural location. uh, And all of a sudden, George Clooney is coming to your house in your little town. I know, isn't he dreamy? Um, I can say that, my husband's sitting back there. I know he's not supposed to be here because he's a boy, but he wanted to support me. Um, So anyways, uh, so George Clooney's coming to your house. Oh gosh, what do we do? And I gotta make sure everything's perfect. Everything's spotless. There's no dust anywhere. You're gonna make the best food. You're gonna just do everything you can because he's a celebrity. He's coming to your house, and everybody knows he's coming to your house, so it's kind of like your rep is on the line, right? Because if he's not satisfied with how you, you know, entertained him or whatever, you know, and George Clooney storms out of your house, that's not going to look very good for you. So here we have, and I know this very different analogy, Jesus <laughs> coming into your house, and you've got these two sisters. Now, again, I've got to set the framework here, women in this culture— a Mediterranean, very close, family-centered culture where women, women's primary responsibility was to bear children and to maintain the household. And so a man is coming to your house and he's a celebrity. You're not going to dawdle and just like chill in the living room when you've got all the preparations to make for the meal, right? Just wouldn't make sense. What are you going to eat? You don't want George to be hungry. But we see Mary and Martha entertaining Jesus. He comes into their home and Martha is in the kitchen and she's, I don't know. I don't know what it, cause it doesn't say she was rattling her pots and pans and it's all pottery anyways. So I don't know what that would sound like, but she's clanking around her pottery and, and doing all of her cooking and everything and making sure that everything's going to be perfect because Jesus is sitting in their living room. And where's Mary? And Martha's like, where is my sister? I'm stressing out and she's not in here. Where is she? Mary. And then, (laughs) oh, hey, Mary. And she's sitting at the feet of Jesus, just listening. 
And, and Martha turns to Jesus, the celebrity, this very popular figure, and says, Jesus, tell her to come help me. I mean, I'm doing this all by myself. I don't want to pull this huge load all by myself. And, and Jesus makes this very stunning response to her. Now, again, culturally, Martha's doing the right thing. She's doing what women were supposed to do. You serve the men, not just the men, but especially a celebrity man. You don't just sit in there and listen to him talk. You do what you're supposed to do. So <laughs> Jesus turns to Martha and he says, Martha, Martha. And I, I think his tone was probably so gentle, maybe even amused. I don't know. He says, you are worried about many things, but Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. Whoa. <laughs> um, well, I guess I'll, I'll turn that off and uh, come, come sit in here and <laughs> listen to you. I, I mean, it just, I'm sure, uh, Martha just had to be so confused. Like, how, how could, I don't understand. Like, he, this is what I'm supposed to be doing, and, and yet he commends Mary. And really, the other radical thing that Mary was doing is you, not only as a woman, did you not, not serve the men, but you wouldn't also take the posture of a learner, a posture of a disciple, because Jesus was seen as a traveling rabbi. So he's a celebrity and a traveling rabbi, which was one of the most prestigious positions you could have in that culture. And here's Mary going and sitting at his feet and learning from him, which is what men, male disciples, would do to their rabbi. They would sit at his feet and listen to him. And that's what Mary does. And for all <laughs> rights and intentions, she should have been chastised because she wasn't doing what she was supposed to be doing. She was actually receiving from Jesus. And instead of him saying, no, she should be in there helping you, he commends her and actually says she chose something better. And the question I have for you is, what did she choose? What was better? What was better than doing what she was supposed to do according to cultural standards? And I think Mary had tapped in to this ultimate reality. She was understanding that this existence was fleeting. This existence was going to pass away, but her time with Jesus, that was going to be eternally impactful. And she had better soak it up. And so she does. And she appears a few other times in scripture and just has a beautiful life of, of surrender to him. But um, I think she is just this great example of a woman who kind of said, okay, I'm going to tap into something that is bigger than me. I'm going to tap into something that's more secure than my label of what a female is supposed to do. And I'm going to sit at the feet of Jesus and just soak it up. And I think she had a grasp on this other reality. I also think Jesus had a very firm grasp on this other reality. And in fact, I think he was the bringer of the ultimate reality. And I think it's through him that we have access to that, which is why Mary was sitting at his feet, because she knew it was through him. It was through this guy, this Jewish roaming rabbi, that she was going to find answers to life's ultimate questions. That's why she was there. That's why she was forsaking her duties in the kitchen. And I think we can learn so much from her and we can learn so much from Jesus and in particular, the Lord's Prayer. Matthew chapter six, uh, it's just, we, most of us have heard it before or we know it by heart. Uh, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. How? On earth as it is in heaven. Right there, Jesus is asking the Father 
to have a radical collision of realities. That's his request from the Father. He doesn't pray, and, and Father, let heaven be awesome so that when everybody gets there and we get to talk to you and everything, it's just great. And we have that endless buffet. I'm all big about this endless buffet, by the way. And I believe that will be in heaven, by the way. Uh, with lots of chocolate. We talked about that earlier. So anyways, um, no, it doesn't, that's not what Jesus prays. Uh, and he doesn't pray, and, and, and Father, just help things to get better on this terrible planet. <laughs> he, he doesn't pray that. He prays for a collision of realities. And you know, the crazy part is, that's what, I think that's what Mary caught a hold of. I think that's the wind that she felt. And that's the, the life that she walked in. And she understood, wait, this reality, this grim, dark, curveball-oriented, changing, uncontrollable reality, this is not all there is. There is something more. And then we see Christ praying that same prayer, that that reality would become a part of this reality. I don't think, and this is no offense if you have Amish friends or you've been Amish before, but I don't think that God's purpose in praying that kind of prayer was, oh, bring the kingdom uh, and, and we'll experience our own little kingdom in our special communities with all of our special rules and regulations. I don't think that's the kingdom that Jesus was praying for. I think the kingdom he was praying for was a kingdom that was going to infuse and empower fishermen, women, <laughs> uh, tax collectors, prostitutes, everyone, and it was going to radically change them in such a way that people would look at them and say, whoa, <laughs> what are you on? That doesn't make sense. How do you have joy? And you still have pain and suffering, but yet you have something that you're clinging to that is better. That's the kind of kingdom I think Jesus was praying for, and I think that's the kind of kingdom he brought. Well, it's interesting, in that same chapter of Matthew 6, there's this beautiful statement of comfort, I think. Um, because like I said, I think the biggest difference between the earthly reality that we all live in day in, day out, and this ultimate reality that we have access to, I think the real difference between them is if we're only living for this alternate reality, which I'm considering the earthly reality, then we are grasping at control and we are doing the best that we can to make it work according to what our desires are. I think that's how we would define this earthly reality versus this ultimate reality, which basically it goes from this to this. And it says, this is, I, this is my reality, I'm in control, me and Billy, we're gonna make it work. <laughs> Versus, okay, I think you have something bigger for me, it's your kingdom coming in my own life, and I can't control that. It's too big for me. And so I'm gonna let you, Father, <laughs> to quote Jesus, I'm gonna let your kingdom reign in my life. And you know what happens? Matthew 6 gives us these beautiful words of comfort. And he says here in verse 25, therefore I tell you, and this is Jesus explaining to his followers, people that, have, that want to step into this ultimate reality. He says, do not be anxious about your life. Anxiety, anybody struggle with anxiety? Yeah, okay, right here. What you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, <laughs> what you will put on. Is not life more than food? 
and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, the guy that wrote Ecclesiastes, if you've been here recently, was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious about anything. What will we eat? What will we wear? For the Gentiles, those who weren't Jewish, seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But, here is this very, very big but. This is the endless buffet but. (laughs) Seek ye first, seek all of you first, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. All the things that we worry about, that we stress over, those are they're a part of this fleeting existence that we are grasping at to try to control and just make it work. And, and I think God's saying to us, let it go. Let it go. Step in to this ultimate reality. And it's not rocket science. <laughs> it is literally going from this to this. It is going from I'm grasping at what I can make happen to I'm going to see what you can do through me. Whoa, (laughs) that is the biggest transition you can make. And honestly, that's the paradox of tonight that I wanted to hit on. It says, uh, and this is also, Matthew's just a very rich gospel. Matthew 16, 25 says, uh, for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And I think that's exactly what Jesus is talking about there. It is shifting from one reality that is (laughs) grim, to another reality that is hopeful. Now, does that mean it becomes all flowers and roses and chocolate? No, no, not at all. But our hope is no longer in that relationship. It's no longer in that job. It's no longer in that body. It is now in, <laughs> in Christ, bottom line. And I think it's crazy in John 14 that Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I think that you could interject their truth as reality. I am what is eternal. And we are told throughout the rest of the scriptures how to be in him and how to walk in him and how to grow in him. And the cool thing too that's so awesome is you don't now live this doled out existence of no fun or pleasure or enjoyment. Actually, your, your sensitivities, I think, are heightened. Your desires change. You want to, to be a servant. <laughs> you want to, to help others and to walk in your gifts and your passions. And the cool thing is you're supposed to. <laughs> you're supposed to be fully who you are. And I think it's when it's connected to this ultimate reality, to this absolute reality, that we actually step into who we fully are and who we truly are. But the hardest part is going from this to this. And that's something that, that is, a, is a personal choice for you to make. And, and that's why these women at, at Mosaic Whittier are here, is to help you when you're thinking through, do I really want to let this go? Because honestly, when it's like this, you feel like you're controlling it, right? 
You feel like you've got it in your hands. It's going to work out. You're going to make it work. And that's the hardest thing is to just be like, but I'm going to trust. I'm going to trust that there's something more and something better. So to wrap this up, um, I I found, again, another quote. Uh, This one from Dr. Seuss. (laughs) And I just love this. I thought this is the coolest thing and just a great way to close out this talk tonight. You know you're in love. And I, and I don't think this is just about a, uh, you know, romantic kind of love. I think it's actually a bigger love than that. Uh, you know you're in love when you can't fall asleep because reality is finally better than your dreams. Isn't that cool? And, and I think that's the reality that, that Christ wants for us. I don't think he wants, again not to hate on the Amish. I don't think he wants us to live these restricted existences where it's based on rules and regulations. Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and that you may have it in the full. My burden is light. Your burden is wearisome. He offers us freedom. He offers to say, let it go. Put it in my hands. I want to carry it for you. I want you to walk fully in who you are. I want you to to have an effect on this world that will last for all eternity. So my closing question for you and for myself (laughs) is in our daily lives, and I don't know where you're at tonight. I don't know if you've stepped into this relationship with Christ and said, yes, you are my ultimate reality. I want to grow in that. I want to walk in that. Or if you're just checking things out, no matter where you are on the spectrum, the question is the same. Is the reality that you are living for worth dying for? Is the reality that you wake up thinking about and living in the morning, that you go to sleep having experienced and knowing is going to be there the next morning when you wake up, is it worth living for? And you will know that if it's worth dying for. And that's the reality we see Jesus living out. And just to close out with a verse here, In Mark 10.45, he says, For even the Son of Man, which was Jesus' favorite way of talking about himself, came not to be served, but to serve. And he gave his life as a ransom for many. Christ knew what was the ultimate reality. And that's why he came and bled out, was so that we could now access that ultimate reality. So I want to close out in a word of prayer. Um, And Esther and Rachel... Uh, are just going to grab some cards. Your input, your feedback, and what you're going through is incredibly important to us. And uh, I know Lilia, other women who put this event on tonight, it was so we could have fun and mingle and get to know each other, but it was also so we could know what's going on in your life. And so we could help meet needs that you have and that we could really minister to one another. Uh, it's, it's a two-way street. So... Uh, They're going to be passing out cards, and then there's also our small group information. If you want to get to know more uh, of these women on a weekly basis and really become family, (laughs) not just in a, I'm going to go eat crepes once a year with these people, but like, you know what's going on in their lives, and you care about them, and you pray for them, and you're prayed for yourself, that information is going to be on the small group page. But then the card itself, that's got some questions on it, and those are incredibly important to us to find out how... Uh, we can meet you where you're at. And then lastly, after I pray, 
Uh, if you want to, to maybe talk through some of this stuff, like maybe this is just information overload, um, or you've got needs that are on your heart and you're just, you don't want to drive home tonight without talking to somebody about it. Um, we're also going to have some ladies that would love to talk to you uh, further. And we've actually got some privacy back here behind the um, partition. So that way you, you're not like, you know, spilling your guts out here. So if you're interested in that at all, please uh, feel free. Uh, we'll have some ladies there who would love to talk to you. So I'll pray, and then there will be just some instrumental music playing. Thank you so much for coming here tonight. Let's just pray together. Lord, I just praise you so much uh, for being a God who <laughs> was not content with letting us live uh, for an alternate reality, uh, a reality that is ultimately hopeless, that is prone to competition and comparison uh, and eventually corrosion. And that's not the life that you have for us and that you stepped out of heaven and stepped onto this planet um, and became our access to that ultimate reality by being the ultimate reality yourself. And I just praise you for that because you didn't have to do that. Um, and yet you did because of your love for us. And so I pray specifically uh, tonight that there's women that this is stirring their hearts, or uh, they're being challenged by this, or maybe they've just never even thought about it before. Uh, Lord, that you would um, stir our hearts uh, to talk through that, um, even tonight before we head home. Uh, and I just thank you for each woman who's here. Uh, I pray that we would connect more deeply with each other, that these would not be relationships that we forget about uh, when we go home tonight and our food digests, but instead... Uh, this would be a night where we start uh, building relationships that do last for an eternity. I just praise you so much for who you are, and we rest in your hands. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this production by Mosaic Whittier, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information about Mosaic gatherings and events, please visit mosaic.org.